if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew uh, 12, 9 and 14. But if you don't have one, there are some over on this counter over here by Jacob over there. Yeah. And they'll also be on the screen. And you can also download it on your phone from the App Store. And just by the way, like, out of my two options of singing or preaching, I'm glad I chose preaching because, you know, as much as I think I'm a rock star, I don't think you guys would think the same. So, <laughs> here we go. Um, but also, I would like to pray once again. So, bow your heads with me, please. God, God, thank you. Thank you for letting me come into this place with these awesome people. God, just move my words so they have the hearts and ears to understand what I'm saying on your behalf. God, let it soak in so that they may live out this, this, um, this preach throughout this week and to many others. God, thank you for giving me this experience. And thank you for West Village. Amen. <clears throat> so let's jump in. So it says in verse 9 of verse 12, it says, going from that place. But wait, we need to know where Jesus is coming from and where he's going to. So this brings us back to the other Andrew's preach of last week. And so let me just remind you what happened. And also, by the way, I'm kind of an old man, so I brought some paper. So Jesus was walking around with his disciples on the Sabbath, but they realized they get hungry. When the Pharisees saw the disciples picking heads of grain from the field, they were so mad because it was like breaking the rules on the Sabbath. But Jesus confronts their attitude, which focuses on the rules, and they miss out on what experiencing a God's heart really is. And we all know that you need to be fed to order to hear. And he challenges us to go back and read their Bibles, which say, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. So, God, he died on the cross for us so that we can live and be fed with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to grab some water. <clears throat> so at this part, this is where John 16, 3.16 comes into play. For God to love the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, God's a God of mercy, not sacrifice. He sent his son to die on the cross despite our brokenness. And this is something that the Pharisees just keep missing again and again. We'll see another example as we continue to read. So verse 9 and 10 says, Going from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charge against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So Jesus goes into the synagogue. What is a synagogue, you may ask? A synagogue is a church, but in the Jewish faith. And this is like a little movie reference for you from a big fat Greek wedding. So the father tells his children that every word comes from Greek. Let me tell you, let me tell you that every word, every word comes from Greek. So in Greek, synagogue means assembly. And there you go. <laughs> but also, in Hebrew, the word gets translated into synagogue. 
the word as synagogue, it means congregation. So that refers to what we are doing today. We are assembling and we are congregating in the Lord's house. Isn't that awesome? But church, first off, we all know that Jesus is a gutsy guy. Even in the passage from last week, he had no problem confronting the Pharisees on their wrong ways and their religious hearts. So we all know that when Jesus goes into a synagogue, he means business. Like I'm talking flipping tables, telling everyone that they're wrong for what they're believing and what they studied. We already know that the Pharisees did not like Jesus at all. So anytime he was in the synagogue, they were not happy about it. One of the reasons why they might not like Jesus was because Jesus is this guy in his late 20s, early 30s, telling them that they are wrong and that they are hypocrites. After they studied the Old Testament their whole lives, it's their livelihood. And Jesus tells them that they're wrong. It's like when someone with a vast knowledge and years of experience in some field doing something, but then someone younger and inexperienced comes up and tells them that they're wrong. We don't like that very much, do we, church? No, exactly not. That's right. <clears throat> so, for example, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. And it's like someone telling me that my facts about Star Wars are wrong. Because, actually, I know quite a bit about the original trilogy. The original trilogy is what would be the Old Testament, but to the Pharisees, you know, because it's old. <laughs> so you can see here that Jesus and the Pharisees are about to have a confrontation. It's about to go down. <clears throat> That's good water. Okay, so let's go back to the text. Jesus goes into the synagogue, and what does he see? It says in verse 10, a man with a shriveled hand was there. But you know, you know what I think we should do first? To give this passage a little bit more illusion, illustration? I want to hear a name so we can give this guy a name. So shout out a name, and I'll hear. Chris? Chris, okay, great. Great. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. And by the way, this drawing will be in the uh, hall for $200. So... This is Chris. Not happy. Not happy. His arm, dead. And here comes Jesus, this happy-go-lucky guy, always happy to disrupt things, with this awesome hair, right here, right here. Whoop! And he's coming, he's coming to see Chris. This is him walking, or levitating, whichever one you like. And these are the Pharisees. They're unhappy. They don't like it. Eh. Okay, there we go. And to my understanding, they had weird hats. So it'll go like that. There we go. So the Pharisees see Chris, 
right here. And what do they ask Jesus? Blah, blah, blah. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath and to do good? The reasons why the Pharisees were asking Jesus' this question is because they viewed healing as work. Because nothing's free in this world, right? So healing is work. And that was not allowed on the Sabbath. So instead of the Pharisees welcoming Chris, this guy, into the synagogue with having compassion on him because of his deformity, his hand, they cast him aside. They don't want him there because he, he's different. And they do this and they question Jesus to try to trick Jesus so that they can arrest him and later crucify him. Not only that, but we realize there are other parts of the Bible that say the Pharisees thought that if you were cursed or broken in any way, like leprosy, broken bones, anything, that you were cursed by God because of your sins were too bad or too big to be saved. Which is simply not true, right? God doesn't curse us on purpose. He, he loves us with his whole heart. The church is supposed to be a place where people can come in any time and be in community, despite any state of mind or body. And they will be loved, and they will be cared for and prayed for. Because that's what God calls us to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. He calls us to help these people. This is where Matthew eleven five comes in. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. This is how Jesus describes his own mission. And if he is like this, then his church should also be like this with people who have deformity or brokenness in their lives. Whether that is mental or physical deformity, like Chris here. Because in the end, we're all broken, aren't we? We're all broken people. Imagine, just imagine with me, if there is a homeless person or someone with a mental or physical disability that would come into our church. If you're like the Pharisees, we would, like, we would say, get out, cast them away. You know, like, here's the boot, take it. But we need to be like Jesus. We need to welcome him. When I first read this verse, seeing the way the Pharisees acted towards this man who is hurting was hard for me to understand. Because that is totally what God isn't. He doesn't cast people away. He brings them into his heart as long as we believe in him and accept him. <clears throat> but as I thought and responded to reading these verses, I had to understand myself. Who am I to say that I am also not like the Pharisees? Who am I to say that I don't cast people out who I deem unworthy of God's healing? And I'm going to be honest with you. The people who I think are cursed by God are people who are dishonest, who are greedy, and who hurt people for no reason. Because why would we act like that?
Those are the people I've written off in my life. So here's a question. In your life, I know it all happened. Who have you casted out? Who have you said, don't talk to me because you're cursed or broken? Because in the end, we all have casted those people away. In verse 11, Jesus throws the rule back at the Pharisee when he says, If any of you have had a sheep that fallen into the well on the Sabbath, will you not take hold and lift it out? If you, if you had a sheep that fell into the well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work hard to pull it out? Of course you would. Am I right? Of course you would. Because sheep are considered dumb and are still considered dumb to this day. So this is the sheep. He's walking. Oop, I fell. I can't get up. <clears throat> and if so sheep fall into the well that belonged to the Pharisees, they go out of their way, doesn't matter what day of the week it was, if it even was on the Sabbath, I bet you that they would pull it out. Because that's their sheep. But by doing this, they are also invalid on their beliefs and on the Sabbath. This is a good picture of what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross so he can pull us out of the grasp of sin, Satan, and death. And we see the heart of God, just not at the cross, but even in the Old Testament law. From Leviticus 19.14, it says, it says, do not curse to death or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear God, I am the Lord. And this is what our God is like. Shouldn't this be what we as Christians strive for? Shouldn't we strive for helping these people instead of casting them away? But I also realize I'm not saying that the Pharisees were mocking or cursing Chris. Of course not. But they really studied the text. They should have known that they should have been helping this man instead of trying to set Jesus up to be arrested and later crucified on the cross. They should have helped this man instead of being focused on the list of rules for the Sabbath. If they have, they would have seen that Chris right here was just like a sheep that have fallen into the well. Boop, boop, boop. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to realize that we are called to help each other, not just ourselves. But as we saw last week, that wasn't the only time the Pharisees confronted Jesus about working on the Sabbath. They got mad because him and his disciples were picking heads of grain because they were so hungry. They were so hungry. But what you might not have known is that in the Old Testament, it was customary for the poor to pick from the outside row of the crops. So this is the outside. They could pick from any of these outside rows they wanted and be fed. Actually, another interesting tidbit was when I told my grandmother about this passage, she said it was still practiced in her day, which wasn't too long ago. 
But I would be interested to think, is this still happen today? I hope so. But when the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples eating and picking, they weren't happy. Because to them, the Sabbath was meant for rest. But how can we rest if we do not have food in our bellies? How can we be happy if we're not fed? So they confronted Jesus. They showed a complete lack of compassion and mercy. Because on yeah, so that's about the belly. Sorry. <clears throat> the Sabbath should be a blessing. Should be a blessing, not a burden. Not one to sacrifice day from yourself. But it should be a time of remembrance and a time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why he came. The Pharisees should have known to help this man. Because if they claim to know God, and God's heart is a heart of mercy and not one to sacrifice, then it's his desire for us to help our brothers and sisters in need. Right? Right? But even more than their focus on the rules, instead of kindness, the Pharisees completely went against what the Sabbath was about by trying to accuse so they could later have Jesus arrested and crucified on that awful cross. But by confronting the Pharisees with this example of a sheep falling in the well, I believe that Jesus is foreshadowing his death on the cross. Just like that dumb sheep that fallen into the well, we, his creation, who are also kind of dumb, have fallen into our sin and our shame. So instead of Jesus rescuing the sheep, it was a little harder. He died on the cross so that he can pull us out of shame and darkness that we call sin. So let's look at Jesus' response in verse 12. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Can I hear that? It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's right. That's right. So in verse 12, Jesus throws the law back into the Pharisees' faces by saying, yes, I'm sorry, miss. Yes, the law permits the person to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus 1, Pharisees 0. Am I right, church? Swoosh. The other part about this text that I find so interesting, this, this Chris He's probably heard about Jesus and how Jesus heals anyone who comes to him and asks to be healed. <clears throat> Usually the weak or the disabled find out about Jesus and they go to him. They look for him. They seek him. They want him. And they ask to be cured. We see lots of these examples like this when Jesus heals the blind man in John 9, 1 to 12. Or when he heals a woman of constant bleeding in Mark 5, 28. So why is it that this man did not simply go find Jesus? Why did he not just set out and look for him? Because it is possible he was afraid to be vulnerable because it was the Sabbath day. He felt like it wasn't a place where he could bring his imperfections out. This is just like sometimes when we are reluctant to ask Jesus for help, 
because we deem our sins and our shame too bad to be to be healed. But God heals us even at our most brokenest part of our lives. <clears throat> so this man was probably not used to people coming up to him and talking to him, let alone heal him. Heal him. So let me ask, ask you this. Have you ever been afraid to ask God for your forgiveness because you deem your sins unworthy of being saved? If you said yes, then I also have to. I've also deemed what I've done to be unsavable. But let's see how Jesus responds to Chris in verse 13. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. And the passage said, he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just like that. Boom. No magic, just a miracle. This reminds me of when we confess our sin to Jesus, he restores us fully, just like the man's hand. When Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand, it symbolizes that we need to stretch out our hearts and offer them to God so that he can turn them from a heart of stone and a heart of darkness to a heart of flesh. And because when we keep our hearts locked away, because we're greedy and selfish, but when you open up our hearts to God, to Him, He restores to the fullest amount, to the fullest of our abilities. Dramatic effect. <clears throat> the final verse in our story says, But the Pharisees went out, and applied how they killed Jesus. They applied how they killed Jesus after they saw this miracle. Look what the heck. Am I right? The end of the story is just so tragic. Because after they see this miracle, they start how to plot to kill him. But as Christians, we need to be reminded that Jesus did not just die for us, for our sins, but also those of the Pharisees. Also, those are the Pharisees, the people who killed him. Verse 14 is important, because this is where it says the Pharisees hatched the plot of how to kill Jesus. As we explore the end of this verse, this is where we realize that this part of Matthew is offensive to us. Because the Pharisees have made the following our God uptight and solely focused on the rules. In their hearts that they believed that their salvation and their love from God was brought <clears throat> from their good gifts, from their good deeds, which is simply not true. And along comes Jesus and shows them that they and Chris are imperfect and broken. He exposes their insufficiency and their need for him. But instead of repenting and coming to him, they are offended by the healing, and they want to kill him. We sometimes think that we can fix our, ourselves. But it doesn't work that way, does it? And so when Jesus tells us that we can't actually do it, it's offensive to us. It's offensive. It tells us that we are non-self-sufficient, and that we are actually needed, needy, and we do not like to hear that, do we? We do not like to hear that we are needy or broken, do we? 
And sometimes our reaction is just the same as the Pharisees, like I was talking about before. We want to get rid of Jesus. But why? But why? Why, why, why? But there's something important to realize here. If we as humans begin to think that we do not need to be saved, then we are already lost. We are already a sheep falling into the well, and we are drowning on our own because Jesus is our healing and our Savior. With closing this part off, it is important to know that when sometimes we don't marry the people, we marry the Jesus, church. We marry them so much. And we need to understand that. Jesus is the only one we need acceptance from and where we go to find healing. So to end, I'd like to tell you about the parable of the Good Shepherd from John, John 12, 10, 1 to 12. This is also something that I've reflected of my life as well. Jesus left the 99 sheep, which was heaven, to come down to earth to chase after that one sheep. And do you know who that sheep is, church? That sheep is you. Blessings to you. Thank you for letting me come up here and speak. This is a time where we are going to welcome up the worship team. And it's also a time of giving and remembrance of him. So there will be communion stations up at the front here. And you can give in the urns and also online. And I'm going to pray. God, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak your word to these people. Thank you for giving them the patience to listen to me. Blabber on and repeat my words back. But thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this gift. Let it be received and let this parable and this story be acted out through each and every one of these people's weeks. Thank you so much for this willing church. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen.